please take a few minutes to enjoy this original a cappella song by our guest, Sarah Batar. When I feel alone and separate from all beings, I call for harmony. the sky she's tearful it's okay to cry as i gaze out into the horizon looking for home and cannot find it in my hair i feel harmony with the wind she embraces being a gypsy when i lose my footing i look down to find harmony with the earth she stands me and i trust her all the times i've felt i'm not good enough the tree whispers harmony you're majestic because you exist and when my head is clouded the robin flaps its wings guiding me back to podcast this is alia this is nadia and we have a guest i'm super excited we are currently in uh ongoing like small artist group together so i'm excited to talk to you one-on-one um well two-on-one in this case (laughs) um can you introduce yourself wow so much attention (laughs) two-on-one Uh, I'm Saida. I am a performing artist from Lebanon, uh, also a writer. Um, I have a film coming up soon. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's a feature about a Lebanese painter on an artist visa in New York, taking a shady job, you know, to cover all the expenses and like going on that journey. Uh, it's a thriller. Yes, I mean, we'll talk more about uh, all the projects. So I'm a performing artist. I write. I sing a lot, mostly around the house. <laughs> and That's awesome. I teach. I also teach kids around New York City. That's um, 
takes a lot of my time as well. Awesome. What do you teach? Uh, I teach acting. Um, Wait. Uh, so many topics. Yeah. Improv yeah. and voice and yeah, and public schools in New York. <laughs> oh, cool. Both you and Nadia do that. Um, yeah. It's different stuff. Yeah, I'm a dance teaching artist, which I think I might have mentioned last time we talked. Um, but actually, we want to start there. Um, how is um, working with kids and being in the public school system kind of a kind of shaped your experience of New York? Because I know it's definitely shaped my experience of New York in general, just to be in so many different neighborhoods teaching. Um, right. And then how do you think it's like influenced you as an artist? Yeah, I'll start there. And also, um, I came to New York in 2016 to study at Adler, um, and that took three years. I graduated in 2019, right into the pandemic. And um, when I remember when I first started teaching in public school, I was ecstatic about it because I didn't grow up in New York. I was born and raised in Lebanon for 24 years of my life. And I was so excited to kind of go back to the basics and learn about all the references and the culture that you know new york kids are raised with from um like sesame street <laughs> to there's like a train book i don't remember but something thomas the train yes thomas yeah the train. that was an iconic classic <laughs> classic <laughs> Like, I'm always happy to learn about all these, like, in songs, like, uh, working on the railroad. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Being, like, work, working class songs. And yeah. year olds. Uh, fun. And then, um, yeah, I also, like, go in various neighborhoods and see the, the different resources that different neighborhoods get. Let me put it that way. I teach in after-school programs and... I mean, a lot of the schools that do get the program where I t teach with child's play are, for the most part, privileged because they have to pay to get us to, to do the things that we do. But I've also taught with other programs, I'm not going to name them, but um, where they had so much less support in the classroom and it was very difficult to be there, actually. I felt like I was, I was at one point at this one school uh it was a lot I was alone in my class with 18 kids that needed a lot of attention and somehow like positive reinforcement seemed almost impossible to work at all and I was very sad to give up I was like oh no it's not like the movies I'm not the hero we need the community right it doesn't take one person to save an environment I, I really dislike this word but I don't believe in it at all so yeah it was actually another proof of how we need like systems in place that um help the success of everyone and it's not one person that will come and be like oh here i have all the solutions <laughs> yeah. right totally i've been there too i think it's just you see how small of a part of the system you are i think working in the mm -hmm. education system and being a contractor being like the person who's there the least um and still wanting to like make your impact in the class you're teaching and what you're doing but also knowing that like w what these kids are doing in school and at home um or, like what the classroom support and environment is and all that whole setup 
like that's just having so much of an more of an impact than one singular person like you said I taught I taught English in a like abroad for a while and it was like 20 students and me there's that saying of it takes a village to raise a child but you're flipping it and you have like one adult and 20 kids yeah speaking of your performing art do you want to talk about what that transition was like like moving from Lebanon and starting in New York as a performing artist kind of the process how that's developed over time sure before coming before coming to New York I was in a play with um, another performing artist from Lebanon who's also in, in New York right now her name is Aline Saloum uh, we were like in a play together with directed by Lina Khoure I also had a a tiny part in the Cherry Orchard directed by Carlos Shaheen, where I was also the assistant director. And um, that was a wild experience. And the last project I did in Lebanon was a Belgian-French-Lebanese co-production on a feature film where I was the personal assistant of Hiyam Abbas, and that was wild. And right after we wrapped <laughs> that film, it was a great experience. Um, and uh, yeah, at the... On the very last day, I received my acceptance letter to Stella Adler, which was like three months before um, the the beginning of the program. And, you know, uh, I was very surprised because it was a whole joke to me applying to Adler. It started with meeting the niece of uh, Carlos Shaheen, the director of Ch the Cherry Orchard, after reading uh, Stella Adler's book. And I was like, oh my God, there's a place where they teach these things. This is fascinating. And I applied as a, as a game. I asked my filmmaker friend to come and record two auditions after I searched for like a whole month. Um, for monologues um, and the the system in Lebanon is not like New York at all like this we don't audition with monologues generally there's we don't have like the agents also system it's a very it's a tiny place yet there are like so many productions happening right now like I hear with Shahed like the competitor of Netflix there's a lot of actors actually in Currently, with all the crisis in Lebanon, um, the entertainment business is the most functional right now, which is fascinating to me. It's like nothing is functional but storytelling <laughs> or some kind of storytelling, which is for the most part censored and limited and full yeah. of taxes. But somehow, I'm like, okay. But it still makes me happy. Um, but yeah, then I came to New York and it was the first time I'd ever set foot on the American soil. And I came here to act in English, which is my third language. Um, and that was a process um, of, it was, yeah, I remember having like so many moments of being very self-conscious and, looking so closely to read people's lips and asking five times like sorry can you say that again <laughs> and going from a whole you know um small village of beirut of where wherever i go i bump into someone i know coming to new york where it's the most crowded 
place on the earth, but where you can also feel the most invisible, <laughs> um, which can be a blessing sometimes because, yeah, uh, yeah, it feels like a lot of times great to be unseen somehow. Yeah, so there was three years of that, which was really intense and it was just a lot of acting and physical explorations you know vocal explorations at school reading a lot of plays um understanding in a in a bubble in in the conservatory bubble what the issues in the u.s are like and um and also really a difficult period of search of where do I fit in in all of this? And then after that, I co-founded a theater company with a group of my classmates. We um, were fortunate to have the space at the Greek Cultural Center in Astoria, which was incredible. We renovated it because it, that's that's the thing, you know, we it's space. There's a lot of lack of space in New York. Um, space is very expensive. It's a, it's the highest commodity, really. We pay so much for rent. You know, housing is very expensive. Um, but also, yeah, theater spaces are. If I think about Lebanon in comparison, I mean, there aren't many theaters in Lebanon, but they're for the most part accessible somehow through universities, through the university where you studied and you will always like find a way to put up a show like the theaters will agree to um whatever profits you make we'll take 20 percent of that <laughs> or um i mean that's one theater that i can think of uh towards turn uh but yeah in new york it's there's a system of theater companies which somehow still doesn't have ensembles it doesn't it always has have it has people that come and go like it has like maybe the admin is one uh constant but it doesn't have a a group of people that train together and create a language together which i find very interesting because in lebanon for example zokok the ensemble is an ensemble of actors that create together and devise shows together and then they stick together and now they invite more people on the outside. I mean, they've been around for maybe 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in New York, you're always auditioning as an actor. You're always meeting new people, um, getting in rooms with people that you don't know. That is definitely really hard to like make yourself known over and over and over and over and over again, almost what feels like from scratch but obviously you know the more you meet people also the more you feel that the theater world is get smaller and smaller but yeah recently the reason why i bring up the ensemble concept is because i saw thomas ostermeyer's hamlet at the bam who's a german he's a very he's very famous in europe but somehow he's not very famous in the us um, he, he, I don't know if he's still the artistic director of the Schaubühne in Berlin, but it was one of the most brilliant shows I've seen in my life. And I've been reading his book, which is a collection of essays on theater, and he connects it to a lot of 
you know, like social, political, and economic systems that are in place that allow theater to happen or stand in its way. Yeah, most importantly, like he talks a lot about creating an ensemble, creating trust in a room and where you can get to a point of recreating a moment of reality in spite of the repetition of theater and of acting where, yeah, and it was, I mean, Hamlet, it was incredible to see like how different it was from American theater, which tends to want to be very naturalistic and builds, you know, builds the sets in a very uh, realistic way, as opposed to, you know, uh, European or Ostermeyer's theater, I don't want to generalize, but that creates, that focuses on the metaphors and the hyperrealism. And it's not, it doesn't shy away from the fact that it is theater and it is pretense. And I'm not going to hide it from you. And like, how do you use this, what Ostermeyer calls hyperrealism? But really, like an ensemble of people rather than, yeah, where you see they are in the same world together and and reacting to each other moment to moment. That I was... don't know exactly if this is the case in the theater world, but I feel like um, it might be similar in dance. I feel like things that build themselves as dance companies are increasingly just pools of freelancers that kind of get shuffled around. And that's mm-hmm. mostly because nobody has money to like employ people full-time or even part-time anymore. Um, and I think like aesthetically and artistically, one of the effects is um, like you were saying, the people either the people they don't, you know, they're not exactly all in the same world together because they're not people who have necessarily been right. working and training and um, being in community together. Yes. Well, that everything just kind of mushes together. There's not a lot of distinction between um, different companies because, again, it's the same, it's the same pool of people that are just getting shuffled around. Um, yeah. Versus in Europe, there's government funding. You can, you can pull a group of people yeah. together. Which, yeah. funnily enough, Ostermeyer was, was still complaining about, because he's like, you know, after all the math, it's 0.2% that goes to, you know, theater yeah. in terms of budgeting. So, which wow. um, was the priorities of government wow. and the culture that they want to create, right? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not art or culture or theater. Yeah. Sure. I guess on that note, um, going back to the work you were doing in Lebanon, what's what are the funding structures there? Like, how are people producing and funding work? You mentioned also like censorship is a thing. What's mm. what, what are what are kind of the models or the strategies people are using there? Lebanon has always been a place of improvisation <laughs> and absolute lack of structure. Um, the people that what I've what I've noticed throughout the years, there are there are the people that like Lina Abiyad, for example, or Lina Khoury, which they both work for LAU, Lebanese American University, and there was Sahara Asaf, who is now the artistic director of the Golden Thread in San Francisco, and she was um, uh, directing the theater department at AUB. Um, and so on and so forth. Um, they are usually like affiliated to universities yeah. because we don't we don't have a national theater in Lebanon. Um, 
I mean, forget about the government. The government doesn't work for the basic rights of people. So it's definitely not going to care about culture at all. Um, uh, so there are these people that are very prolific, like Lina Abiyat makes at least two plays a year um, from what I remember. Um, she just directed, devised a, a show about Nawal Sadawi, uh, who is a feminist. Uh, I think she's Egyptian, right? Egyptian novelist. And then there are a lot of independent artists, um, but, but it, it doesn't cost nearly as much as it does in New York. Uh, like Carlos Shaheen funded The Cherry Orchard, which was a massive production, to be honest. There were 12 performers on stage, and some of them were stars in Lebanon, like um, uh, Cynthia Khoure and Fajamin and Serena Shami and Randa, Randa Al-Asmar, uh, who's from the older generation, and um, Carol Hajj. Uh, yeah, and that was all Carlos's money uh, and, you know, some personal funding that he got maybe from, like, people around him. Um, so that's for the theater. And for TV, there are definitely a monopoly of, product, of producers, um, like from Malwa yeah. Group or... And then for cinema, there are people like Nadine Labake and Ziad Weire that are, like, again, on the famous on the famous side that get a lot of funding from Europe. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, France loves to fund projects in, in the Middle East and that it has its own, you know, Arte East section yeah. of uh, um, uh, production. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about where filmmaking is going in Lebanon right now. Um, uh, yeah, and sadly, you know, there are like some of the prolific people like Aida Sabra who immigrated to, to Canada yeah. uh, in the past two years, um, who, like she was a TV actor, she's done a lot, but she was also an actor on with Pantomime, with Faye Ahmaise, who, who I don't like to make European people other, as their reference, but <laughs> they are understood. So like, he's like literally like Marcel Marceau of Lebanon, you know, he's a legend of pantomime and who also started creating in the 60s. Um, and he went to study with Marcel Marceau in Paris and Marcel Marceau was like, what are you doing here? Like, you know it, like, just go and create your own work. Um, and he he teaches. Um, yeah, so that's that's I feel education is definitely where these artists tend to find home and while they do their own work and it's a it's because it's a small place it um it's much easier for them also to be to be known and have more of an impact and find um people to work with that come back um over and over again as opposed to like the ever-changing fabric of new york where, where people are constantly moving and um yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of lost in the wash yeah and it's sad to me to hear like it's also like in the in the dance world where it's like oh freelance you know we we're just gonna come and hire you to do, to do the job and then send you away <laughs> bye <Yeah>. great support <laughs> it's probably nice to always be connecting with new people but 
the cohesion is probably missing sometimes. Mm. And like, yeah. and like that buildup of creating a comfortable dynamic with everyone you're working with. Um, right. Yeah. Speaking of like, if you were now that you've been in New York for a while, um, from your observation and you, you have so much perspective from in and out of New York, like what are some yeah. things about theater that you feel could use improvement in New York, like things that feels kind of lacking? From everything that I just said, I, w I would say uh, ensemble work. I mean, there are really some amazing theater companies that are, I think are doing great work, like Target Margin Theater and Sunset Park. Um, and Rattlestick in the West Village, which has been around for a while, um, off off Broadway Theater Company. I, I've worked with these two companies, and there's City, which was founded by Anne Bogart, um, up at Columbia. But I feel like it's more exclusive because I don't know, like people either go through Columbia and then sometimes I think they've opened it through auditions, but I don't know. It feels like, because, you know, Anne Bogart is very famous. It feels like it's, and she also teaches at Columbia. She's uh, the head of the directing department. Like New York is, is a hyper-capitalistic place in this neoliberal city. It's like everything is possible and you can do whatever you want. Yeah, it's I somehow like struggle with daydreaming, um, you know, as someone like who doesn't have <laughs> overflowing funds. And so on a on a creational level, I would love, you know, I'm very proud that I just wrote a play with Lama Al-Hmaise, who is the daughter of Faye Al-Hmaise, whom I just mentioned. Um, and I'm very, very excited to develop that play and I also like find myself like working with some people over and over again over the past year and they are really collaborations that I adore. Uh, some of them are with Hilal Khalil who is the founder of Sanon Mahjar and uh, whose advice and dreams are all, always very valuable. We're talking about creating a company called Afrit and we have all these dreams for, you know, um, Arab theater and putting up plays in Arabic in New York. Yeah, I, I I feel like I just want on a on a personal level, I just want to keep honing those relationships and and yeah, there's Aline Salum around. There's there's so many like incredible artists uh, in my life that I definitely want to pay them so that they can play and we can play together and not just like a one-off thing, but create something that's sustainable and, um, you know, fund. Yeah, I'm gonna dream freely, you know, why not? And then fund, <laughs> have the money to like do some workshops together and, you know, create this this common language that I was just talking about. Um, and yeah, when I, when I talk about Arab theater, I also, uh, do want it to be inclusive because I don't like one color spaces. So I just wanted to uh, uplift that, that I really, really actually, one of the most things that I cherish about New York is the diversity of it and how many worlds you can meet in one day, <laughs> how many philosophies and flavors and languages you can hear. So I definitely, you know, and also like all of my friends are international. So I do want to think on a global level and think like, 
whatever I also want to create in New York, I want it to go to other places as well. Um, because, you know, we grew up in Lebanon and we also have like the, the global uh, uh, insights and, you know, like I studied French and Italian and German literature and sadly they don't focus in schools on Arab literature in Lebanon because it's a very western looking uh, country but um, that being said you know it's also it can be an asset like how we also love to travel and you know I just did a tour in Europe this past uh, like summer I taught some in Berlin I taught a, a workshop um where we created like um many many presentations with actors um with Shakespeare's sonnet weary with toil I haste me to my bed <laughs> the due repose of limbs with travel tired mm. I thought it was convenient thinking that I was traveling around <laughs> yeah that's really fitting uh, you were developing like new work based on the sonnets no no it was just like a one-off workshop okay. where like we we did like some imagination work and then got to dissecting the languages of the sonnet together and then i asked like the performers in the room to create uh like to stage a a, a mini uh presentation for using that sonnet that where they can use their desires and interests in in how to express it so it was really really fun uh and it was very improvised it's like someone asked me when i was in berlin like if i can give a workshop for two hours i was like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> sure oh my god i um, love that that just just happened you weren't even like planning on it yeah it's so fun exactly um, staying open to like yeah Sorry, i feel like easy. um woo like um throwing everything at you all at that's once that's what this is for that is yeah no it's good like, you want to like go back and focus on like some specific projects you mentioned and be like tell us more about those uh, sure you were co-writing tell us about that yeah yeah um so we wrote so Lama and I got together I was thinking about a project uh that is a satire about all the roles that you know Arabs get offered in in this country and Lama was like yes uh, I asked Lama if she can come and co-write with me and she's like absolutely and um there was a festival at Golden Thread we're still actually waiting for a response <laughs> so you're gonna have to stay tuned but anyway I'm you know I thought it doesn't matter whether our project gets accepted or there it's always I was using this deadline to just start something and then see how it grows and then uh, it's called this oriental um it was a really great collaboration with lama where we would just like get together and talk talk about our experiences we'd go through old scripts you know i've played a terrorist refugee <laughs> like fresh off of school you know it was a broadway showcase and the staple arab <laughs> characters the staple exactly it's like there are five drawers and yeah. beyond those no imagination <laughs> wait so like what which terrorist group were you in uh it's called el Hensa. <laughs> written by this a oh, white ass lady whiter than 
I'm always a travel journalist somehow, yeah. <laughs> you know, who claims that she has met these people and spoke to them. So she has the right to record that. Oh my them. God. <laughs> um, amazing. And of course, you know, like back then I remember, you know, yeah, I must take this role. And if I don't do it, someone else will. I was like, you know, the first yeah. era who was actually acting this role as opposed to the previous two white ladies <laughs> that played the Syrian terrorist refugee. I mean, th yeah, that's an improvement. Like the bar is so low, but it's still an improvement. Like, get your terrorist money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Authentic representation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You are not the first Arab actor who has been like, yeah, kind of had to take the terrorist role and, you know, start from there. Yeah. Um, luckily, I can, I'm in the position now where I'm like, no more of these roles, no matter what, whatever they promise, whatever contract or agent or money they promise, no. And oh, <laughs> a strong advocate against propagating those. Yeah. Yeah, there was, so was it Leith Nackley on his episode? Same thing. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. He, he was talking about how oh. he was like um, playing an Afghan terrorist. <laughs> And he was like, he was like, like, say something in Arabic. And he was like, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the same, the same. Afghani, <laughs> Kurdistan, Yama. It's like the same. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> like, the level of nuance is incredible. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And uh, like, in my in my research and uh, thinking about it and reading again excerpts from uh orientalism the you know my own personal bible um or spiritual book um uh yes yeah, so our show is called disoriental but yeah going thinking on this topic i was like i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna write it in you know like imagine this is how it feels to us it's as if every white american outside of the us whatever like representation they're in it's it's a, a 19 year old white troubled kid who's going into schools and shooting yeah. <laughs> like imagine if that was the representation of americans every single time what then? I feel like, it's, I feel like we're kind of getting there, though. Like, if this, the news headlines keep up, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. When you, but it's it's weird. Like when you think of it that way, it's like that sounds so absurd. Yeah. And it's like the same absurdity should be the response to like, oh, you're an Arab, play this terrorist. Exactly. Every time. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. No. God. So, yeah. And the premise of this um, is that there. It's about these two actors and Alexa, um, the Amazon machine, essentially um, luring them in through subscriptions to act out these roles for her. <laughs> Oh, I am really, in, I am so intrigued by this. Kind of kinky? Um, 
if you want to call it that, I, I see <laughs> satire, but maybe some kink will be added. We'll see. You know? I mean, there's some seduction. On Alexa's end? Yeah, I feel like Alexa is like seducing in some way, in her yeah. very specific way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fetishizing <laughs> these, these Arabs. Great. Right. Uh, that's so that's so fascinating. Yeah. Or the belly dancer, you know, <laughs> with the serpent. Right. <laughs> Obviously. Staples. <laughs> yes. Again, five of them. <laughs> yeah. The staple book of Arabs. Yeah. Seriously. Um, this is I'm very excited about this project. Um hopefully some money will keep coming in. We applied to a few grants and um yeah i'm excited to to develop it and and write to keep on writing and making the writing more nuanced and deep and with other people you know with other people because i feel like writing on one's own is amazing and then you have to put it in a room like with with other people and you know we also come from a uh tradition of oral of oral storytelling so it i'm excited to put it in the room and see like what people are gonna do with it and yeah my role is gonna be director and um again like we're gonna keep writing with lama and hoping to act and getting yeah um, okay if any theater money people are listening (laughs) note theater money people that's the official name Yes. Hit us up. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then to go back to another project you mentioned, um, can you talk a little bit more about the film, the thriller th- film? Oh, yes. Mm. Um, so this is a film that we shot in the summer of 2021 and also the spring of 2022. It's an indie, no budget at all, um, directed by... Eric McGinty, who's a friend that I met six years ago. And um, like both him and his wife are filmmakers and we're talking about making something together. And um, when I went through the visa process of becoming an alien of extraordinary abilities in the arts as an actor which is the official name for i love that name oh one holders <laughs> um yeah i was talking a lot about it and remember going through some feelings of rage of having to go through such laborious process to be able to stay here um, but for me, it was like more existential, like to be able to exist on a piece of land where I want to be and, you know, create work having, to, you know, ending up with uh, an application that was 950 pages um, and like three months of full time work and a, a few thousands of dollars. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. Yeah, Eric got inspired to write this story and we shot it with four people. But essentially, it's about Ahlam, who's a Lebanese painter who's recently graduated from, uh, I think it was Hunter College. And, uh, you know, she does all these like little jobs of that we all artists do in New York to hustle. Like she teaches Arabic and runs around and uh, to 
uh, and in in the beginning of the film, she's also applying for the artist visa and so making all these calls and asking people about like following up on the recommendation letters and whatnot anyway and um yeah it's it's an interesting journey of her you know delivering like being asked to deliver a mysterious package upstate and then you know some people coming after her like she after the package which turns out to be an Assyrian artifact that's worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, it's happening. Yeah. Looted, looted art from Iraq and whatnot. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very difficult process, you know, like taking a lot of time off um, while making art and also, uh, it was it was interesting. I was I learned so much carrying, you know, uh, a film, you know, being in the lead, um, and I also did the casting and also like discussing because we put it up like very fast. Eric literally wrote it in June. I gave notes in, or rather, I received the script in July and then gave notes, and then we started filming in August, and then the same like for the second installment of the film. But yeah, it's. This is like another story of of you know like how uh, people are like really making a lot of sacrifices, like putting in their money and investing their uh, time as well into making art in a in a very difficult city where you have to hustle and uh, you know feed your family and and put food on the table. Uh, I personally don't have any kids, but you know like. The filmmakers do, um, or rather, the filmmaker and his partner. She's the producer, so, um, so, yeah, it's gonna come out soon, and it's uh, looking very promising. I'm very excited to like put out uh, a unique story in in the indie scene, and mm -hmm. in, in the U.S. Even I feel like globally, and I think. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna like also help out in post, uh, or rather in the in the sales phase of um, making it like travel to Europe and some parts of you know maybe the Cairo Film Festival in Dubai and Qatar and Lebanon. Yeah, so and yeah, I mean I'm interesting. There's you know the character is queer in the in the film and there's. Uh, a very subtle, um, uh, like, kiss scene. So I'm curious to see how that's going to be received <laughs> from the Arab. Yes. We love but, queer, yeah. subtle queer references. <laughs> yeah, right. Where it's not explained, right? It just mm -hmm. is. There's this attraction with. Yeah, this. I love that. Yeah, it's not about that. It's This is part it's of. It's just like, oh. This is just like yeah. embedded in the story. It's not mm -hmm. like, oh, we're not gonna make a big deal out of it. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't wait to see that. Um, yes. And then the other project, the salon you curated. I got to. I that's when I first got to meet you. Um, and you presented a piece too. Um, do you want to talk about like, what was it like? 
curating that um, and kind of developing your piece of it while also having to organize, help organize it. Totally. Before that, I'm going to ask you, like, what was your impression of that uh, particular salon experience? I, I really loved how you created a space like it, it felt extremely like at the very beginning, it, you like brought us into this world like this. Mm -hmm. And it, it felt like we were somewhere besides just a room, you know, in a New York building Ooh, um, love that. And, uh, yeah I thought it was really cool and how you um you kind of like loosened us up at the beginning you had us do movement and kind of like interact with one another and I think that's part of the appeal of a salon is the community right. and you you were like okay don't be shy interact with the person next to you you know mm, so that, yeah. was a bit, that was something I noticed that I really liked right. like from the very beginning which is another syndrome yeah. of New York, right? We don't look at each other. We don't acknowledge each other. Yeah, yeah. We sit on the train and look down at our Exactly. Phone. Or if you're um, in a, or if you're like in a space and you know a few people, you gravitate toward those people and you just kind of mm, stick with right. each other. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, it was uh, a great experience curating that. Um, I mean, I couldn't have done it without Hilal. Uh, and yeah, he, uh, he's, <laughs> I love Hila so much. He just elected me and he decided that I'm going to be the next curator. And, you know, he just pushes through all the doubts and forces you to be your best self. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And, in in thinking about, it was very organic. All of it was so organic, even thinking about the theme of that, it came out of, you know, I had just come back from a vacay from Lebanon and it's going back there, like always fills me up with so much warmth and love, just passive warmth and love, like without anyone almost doing anything <laughs> with people just being who they are because of you know you get out of your apartment you go on the street and people say you know or you know going to uh, an old spa where i used to eat and people going oh my god i remember you used to order quinoa tabule with like shishtahu and that's so cute like the specific yeah the fact that they remember the specific order magical yeah uh, um, it's like the opposite of the anonymous thing you know uh, it's like it's like the polar opposite of it's like everybody knows you versus nobody knows you which can be a lot sometimes too yeah me, but um yeah, yeah yeah but then i don't know it's a nice contrast from nobody looking at anybody else on the street <laughs> yes uh for sure and and yeah, there's, you know, it's a big hospitable place as well, you know, like where, yeah, people like make an effort, you know, like they, they reach out like with their bodies to pick up something if you drop it off or, you know, or, um, you know, yeah, like my friends would go way out of their way to drop me off in a cab uh, and then, you know, go home or, or in their car or it's, yeah, incredible. Like I remember doing that when I first arrived in New York, and I was like, 
wait, no one's doing that for me. <laughs> so why do I want to get doing that for others? But yeah, I remember like taking care of my drunk foreign friends in the beginning and then like receiving nothing at all from them. Like the next day, like not even a thank you. And I'm like, mm, okay, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> but I guess just not the culture. Um, anyway, so like, yeah, coming back, to that I was expressing some of my griefs to my partner who is South African and uh, from what I hear from him uh, is also like very similar in terms of you know people like looking at each other and like really having uh, long conversations because you don't have to hustle to the next thing uh, and then yeah, and then I was telling him, I was we we're literally walking to the train and I was telling him, but you know what? I think we can do something about it. You know, we can create our own communities and our own cultures. Um, so the, the theme of, of Salon, which is the future of community, came out of that uh, conversation. Um, and uh, Hilal, yeah, really loved it. And, and I was you know, some of the questions that we asked were, what can we do to, you know, build these communities in places that are highly individualistic? Yeah. Um, and also, what do you, do you have a community? How does it support you? And how do you support it? And this is where we started. And uh, Hilal brought the structure of community where it starts with pseudo community where we're like people are saying hi hi yeah you know we're just like at the surface level of being polite and you know behaving and then the second level of that is I believe is chaos where people are able to express their shadow selves with each other and and accept it and then the third one is um uh emptiness where people uh accept that we don't have to uh fix each other that this is you know the human condition um uh that we are all you know wounded or broken and it's very common and then the fourth step would be true community and where people like really have deep respect and true listening um in the space for what the needs of the community are and um and that's how, you know, like, yeah, we started, we also like spoke a lot about this salon being an experience to uh, people, to the, uh, to our guests. Um, and yeah, I believe we started with food. I didn't get to be part of that because I was behind the scenes <laughs> focusing in. Oh, for I'm sorry you missed that part. part. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's, you know, kind of like the pseudo community. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to uh, uh, chaos, uh, I think. I mean, before, yeah, I think it was Moon, who is a dear friend, who's also like another like incredible artist residing in New York from Lebanon. Uh, yeah, I, I asked him to come and be part of this. And he's the one who led all the 
you know, getting in our bodies and tuning into our breaths and like playing these mirror games with someone in the room and then making <laughs> monkey sounds and which we don't necessarily do outside of, you know, theater or, or physical disciplines. Uh, it's just so interesting to see like people, like, of course, it's always the case of being like shy, like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then going from that to uh, the reading of uh, Lisa Ghaffori, the Iranian, brilliant uh, um, Iranian-American poet who did very thorough translations of uh, the poetry of Rumi. Wait, I, I'm gonna, I'm, look, I'm looking at her name because I don't wanna mess it up. It's Hale, it's Hale Lisa Ghaffori. I missed the first the first part of it yeah and I I read it I read her book it's really really beautiful and uh, and her explanation of comparing the translations of people that come from English who then learn Ar Iranian or Farsi to then translate it back into English like the difference also of yeah of people of western people coming to the Iranian culture rather than uh, going from inside the culture and like the different language that is used for translations it was uh, a great lesson on translation um yeah and then she recited these poems and chanted some of them it was really beautiful um in farsi and in english and then and then uh we yeah i really wanted to do a storytelling circle which ended up being, you know, people, yeah, stepping up and, and sharing their stories about, I asked people, the prompt was, you know, what is an object or a song or a thought that represents community for you? Um, and, um, uh, and how do you envision the future of community for yourself? And yeah, like someone shared a story about their father for the very first time uh like they had a sharing of something that they wrote and it was very emotional and um uh, it was yeah uh, i remember that yeah um and yeah it was really a great journey to see like people drop you know their guards throughout mm -hmm. um and, and then that, that speaks to the safe environment yeah the salon the salon really yeah. does feel safe yeah and support yeah, yeah and support yeah. each other yeah and i'm very sad i do want to bring her name into the space um nada who prepared the food for us i'm very sad that she yeah. left us yeah. um, left this world and so i just um, yeah it's yeah. really incredible food and very very beautiful person she was such a sweet person and like always just really it even if like i think i met her three times and each time it felt like she she approaches you as if she knows you right? like, yeah. you know she would like make connections right away with mm. people yeah very generous incredibly generous in that way yeah that attention for sure and, and bringing like her vulnerability and uh, deep questions, you know, uh, and and the answers. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she. Uh, I had a little dinner party at my place, and she came with amazing food and some saffron, which is now on my um, 
little shrine, a uh, little jar of magic from Nada. And uh, I remember that night she was talking about, you know, refusing actually the 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 label of Arab because she is much mm. more than that as someone who uh, was North African and. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, I think yeah, she had other like heritages um, from mm -hmm. North Africa, but it was like very interesting, like the, to to hear the layers of. Uh, you know how how people deal with labels, mm -hmm. which can be limiting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to bring her up, and then yeah, we ended with incredible music, and then we had some art from Hildos and uh, Angie, who mm -hmm. uh, or the Sound of Mazika, who makes incredible jewelry. You can check her out. Um, yeah, and so head travels, head travels. I created Head Travels, which is the show that uh, Alia just talked about that uh, I opened the salon with, <laughs> with me like entering the room going, ah! <laughs> yeah. like someone like I'm in a tumbler <laughs> being thrown into a space. I loved it. Um, and yeah, it's, about, it's a piece about, you know, essentially uh, my grand granddaughter from 2080 who, who uh, travels in time to our current times using an app where that allows um, head travels <laughs> and she gives yeah. us some insights from her future world and where it's actually completely isolated and people like don't ever go out and see each other because everything is accessible into their rooms and all these incredible devices and you know like the eerie thing about it is that she's very enthusiastic about this um world where there's an alter ego device that helps her get uh, her best self and um all these other devices that help you help you detect any illnesses and cure them and uh and then there's always going to be, you know, like the parts of where I always love to bring like this Arab identity, like this into my work where, you know, like singing a Beirut song and showing some photos from Beirut and going like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> it's very meta where, you know, this character is like really struggling with what, why, why, where am I? And where, what is this place? And I've never seen so many people gathered in a room. Um, and then, you know, it hits her through the projection of her memory on this, on the screen of like, oh, wait, my grandma <laughs> performed it. She was here with you in the same room. That's why I'm here. That's why the device brought me here. <laughs> and, playing on this meta absurdity <laughs> yeah that was so cool if anyone if our podcast exists on the internet and anyone is listening from 2080 i hope we got it i hope we got it i hope we got it Please wrong come. actually no we don't want we don't want you to all be isolated 
take this as inspiration. I mean, it depends. Just... Depends what COVID or other diseases. Are That's true. We respect whatever you need to do for your safety, but like, <laughs> if you can interact with people, I hope you are. If you want to yes. come visit Hike us, and have real us know. Just, yeah. just like yeah, yeah, you can let come us visit how. us. <laughs> <laughs> bring us back <laughs> yeah um so there is that and that uh had the showing at the laguardia performing arts center um a month before the salon and it was developed with the amazing Joanna Katsaru, who's from greece and it, it started actually in the pandemic times where we would gather uh, every Friday and create work in response to each other so two people would bring like their work and we would all like create work whatever it was whether it was images or sound or or poems or any any sort of creation responding to that and so it developed so much from then to then doing it two years later and yeah uh, yeah really a great experience I was so yeah. nervous you know doing it's always tricky because i've never done it in that space before and i you know i was like okay i'm doing it there for the first time with in this yeah. setting you know um but this is the, the kind of theater that i like actually that is that can always exist in in real situations in response to community where you know it's not comfortable and it's not yeah safe in the sense of you know oh yeah um oh we're performing like but really find the real moments and the the conversation and i feel like this is what makes it real always acknowledging the people in the room and and that's why i also wanted this piece to be a direct address to the audience um, yeah. um where no fourth wall just <laughs> you know look people in the eyes and and ask them questions really yeah let them think about it like what do you think of your current world oh and you're not attached to all these devices what? <laughs> what <was that>? little... <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah mm -hmm. go it's... ahead yeah, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I love, I love thinking about like future vi vision, or I don't know, versions of the future that different people have. Mm. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, right. Well, speaking of future, but the more immediate future yeah. in 2080, what are like, what do you envision for yourself during your career and like, you know future i don't know your vision as a performing artist and creator mm. well the artist way has been incredible you know refocusing mm. those dreams and visions um i i do want to aim to this ensemble and creating sustainable sustainability for me and people that who's whose ideas I really value and like constantly like finding the space to come together and create. Um, um, I want on the list of things are, you know, wow, I've never, I haven't even spoken with artists, but anyway, I'm envisioning 
um, interviewing a theater artist in Lebanon and writing a book about her and relating it to um, to to the history of theater in Lebanon over the past 40 years, because that's how long she's been making theater. I'm going to ask her first before I can name her. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, on on. I would, yeah, make make films about people that are real and that ask philosophical questions about existence and are not about you know just self uh, grandiosity or you know uh, or the hero's journey, but rather about a collective way of of. Wisdom. I was reading this part about the Hakawati tradition in, in the Arab world yesterday and like how it was actually a taboo to, you know, speak of um, like one's own <laughs> um, successes and um, which I don't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily agree with, but in terms of storytelling, yeah, I, I, I do like the idea of, of the collective wisdom rather than like one person is doing something that is because again it's 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 a shift in in mindset and it doesn't i don't think it pushes people forward to think in that way of like me 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 and all about the i but rather how how can we make this better for all of us <laughs> and um uh, visions of you know taking it one day at a time and breathing and and staying in my body and you know believing in oh my god I sound like Miss Lebanon now <laughs> <laughs> world peace and <laughs> do it um, lean into that like <laughs> yeah um, I like this version of if if there's gonna be some Miss Lebanon like this is a pretty good, <laughs> this is a pretty yeah, good version. Just, just do the competition. You might as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Yeah, living in the world, you know, living in the world and making art in response to what is happening and and also mm. like internally also like what is happening with. Yeah. All this, um, novelty, all this technology, and how, how do we resist it? Like on, um, yeah. yeah, there will always be, you know, like a political, I think the, the revolution in Lebanon in 2019 definitely was a big shift in, in my views of uh, like political organization. And I will I can't anyway. I don't. I don't think like as an as a as an Arab artist in the U.S. I don't think I have the choice to not make political work. It's always gonna be political. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely want to see in the very near future this Oriental coming to fruition, and then it touring in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, and Lebanon al Akid and um you know just just keep keep forging this the culture um forward and uh and 
inviting you know staying open to like more people to join uh, as as we go I love that yeah that's beautiful um if people speaking of connecting <laughs> let me let me do even more smooth transitions here how can people follow you online um do you have like platform that you use the most um i oh man i struggle with social media a lot but uh or i don't struggle with it i just don't like it and i ignore it <laughs> <laughs> that works <laughs> like it yeah yeah, yeah. um but or like a website my name anything. Yeah, yeah i'm uh, my website is under construction but people can reach me on facebook at sara failasusi bitar um yeah awesome. if you hit me if you hit me up on messenger um i will definitely respond and i also uh, organize swana artist meetings every last thursday of the month so uh, they're really beautiful meetings with people that are able to meet in the eastern standard time yeah. um, that's awesome i didn't know i didn't, I didn't yeah, know about that. yeah. That's, I should check, I should check yeah that's really cool yeah, yeah. Totally, you are definitely invited. And if anyone else oh. feels like they need community, um, they are totally welcome to come and share their work or their dreams or desires or, or whatever That's it awesome. is. It's a really great space. Um, nice. And it's on Zoom, so it's so pretty. I was going to ask. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's great. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we got some time just to really, yeah, to talk for a while. Um, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> a lot to digest. A lot of good stuff, yeah. Like really. That's why we do long form. Yeah. Huh? That's why we do long form things. Yeah, that's what There's we like about podcasting. There's just, yeah. you can have full Real conversations. Yeah, mm. you don't have to like whittle it down like two sound bites or. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, that way, you know, there's space to flesh out things and yeah, yeah. I hope my philosophical and tangents were interesting. <laughs> no, they were. I think they were really important. Um, and I think, uh, I think almost probably everyone listening will relate to like that craving, craving mm -hmm. connection community and creating spaces where we're with other people so i th i think it's going to resonate with everyone yeah you know um, yeah yeah thank you so much for this yeah thank you thank you all so much for listening um you can follow mm. us at the queer arabs on instagram twitter and facebook we like instagram the best but we're open to all of them um and you can go to our website at thequeerarabs.com. Mm. Thanks all. <laughs> تمروا علي امروا ما بتمروا ما تمروا مش فارقه معاي مش فارقه معاي